Hey everyone, welcome back to One Shot at a Time, a D&D podcast where we take a prompt and turn it into a one-shot adventure. I'm your forever DM, Daniel Locke. <coughs> oh, that was not intended to be that. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> what was that? It was a cough. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm not sick, I swear. <clears throat> no, no, we, a friend's birthday yesterday and yeah. I'm not. It's not COVID. <laughs> mm. But I'm Andrew. <laughs> He's Andrew. He's not COVID. No. Uh, and I'm Daniel, uh, the Forever DM, also not COVID. Uh, luckily, we are recording separately. So either way, if you did, I am completely protected. Unless you believe that you can contract COVID through the podcasting waves. Well, I mean, look, look at all the people that were talking about, uh, was it fucking getting COVID because of the 5G? The 5G. Oh, my God. That was a thing, right? That was a thing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So podcasting is emitting 5G waves. That's that's the secret of how oh, COVID no, no, no. spread. You're going to you're going to you're going to make things a lot worse for all of us. Oh, OK, I need to I need to put a tag yeah. saying like there is a mis- possible misinformation yes. as in I am fucking joking. Yes. OK, people, you got you got to realize, sir, you know, you think, you know, people will understand you're joking, but sometimes it doesn't come across that way. Very true, very true. You got to be very careful with the audience you're, uh, list- who's listening. Isn't that right, Richard? Got to gotta be very careful with what we tell you or exactly. else you'll be easily swayed. I mean, you know Richard. I don't. So I'm, I'm just assuming general mass public, you know. Oh, yeah. I think we should introduce you to the Richard, the, the fabled Richard of this podcast that we always mention, but then no one ever hears about. Um, so he's a great guy. Uh, actually, I'm not gonna dox him. I mean, you already gave him this, didn't you? Already give him his like Instagram and doing all that other stuff. Yes, we did, but that's free publicity, and I think uh, he appreciates that, okay, okay, even okay. though he's the only one listening to his own publicity. Hey, that's not true. I I just learned about his uh, his Instagram. Hear that, Richard? You got one new audience member from this. Oh, I I, I haven't followed him yet. Don't 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 do that. I lied. <laughs> you have no new audience members. I'm sorry. Um, anyways, uh, like I said, we're a D&D podcast where we make one shot adventures from different prompts. Today, we are actually recording on New Year's Eve. So happy New Year's, Andrew, or almost New Year's, I guess. Yay, almost 2023. Almost 2023. Uh, any exciting new resolutions for the next year? Uh, no, I don't really do anything like that. It's just It just means that it's most likely doomed to fail. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if i say i want to do something it'll never happen exactly no that's why i just do it i just do it do you feel like you get more done when you don't make a new year's resolution yes 100 percent. oh interesting okay just thinking that i have like granted i I do set goals and i do set things like you know things i need to fucking do but like if i make a list it's like oh these are my 2023 resolutions and by the time it's november it's like shit i didn't do any of these <laughs> Dude, I feel that. What, what what goals have you set within the last year, or within the last year that you've completed? Share some of your accomplishments with us, Andrew. Uh, I got a dog. <laughs> that is true. You did get a dog, Evie, the wonderful uh, head butting dog. Uh, he is miraculous, or she is miraculous. <laughs> so your household is now cats and dogs. Yeah, just a lot of hair and fur everywhere. Uh. <laughs> How about you, Daniel? Any any uh, resolutions that you've made this last year? Yeah, uh, so last year I decided that I would start a podcast and release a new episode every Tuesday, and so far I would say I've completed that. Thank you, Andrew, for helping out with that as well. Oh, yeah, of course, you know, I, I, that's what, that's what I'm, I'm the people pleaser. Yeah, I love it. Andrew's got to be there. He's always there to please. <laughs> I think next year, since I've already accomplished my podcasting goals for last year, or 2022, or this year, 
This is very confusing. Anyways, I've accomplished my podcasting goals for next year. My goal is to learn how to moonwalk. Okay, I'm holding you to that. Uh, next time I, next time we, we do like a one-shot, I'm expecting you to moonwalk. I will moonwalk into the one-shot as the DM, and every character, yes. the way they move is VA moonwalking, so I can imitate it properly. Yep, yep. it's, it's, it's going to be a Michael Jackson podcast, or a uh, one-shot now. Yeah, we got to schedule that one-shot then. Yeah. All right. <laughs> now the fabled most difficult portion of making any D&D campaign work, getting people together. But yeah, today you presented the prompt to me, so why don't you take it away, Andrew? Okay, yeah. So we, last last week we talked about a fallout essentially after the the Y2K occurrence and causing global pandemic and whatnot. Granted, we've just recently had one, but uh, continuing from that, how about uh, we try th- uh, th- thinking of a top more related to like COD zombies? Uh, so because of all the fallout and all that, now we have zombies running amok, and now we have to protect ourselves by securing mm. a bunker. All right. For all you non-gamers out there, COD is not the fish. It stands for Call of Duty. Or Cock of Duty. Okay, no. <laughs> okay, Cock of Duty. That's the uh, Chicken Run version of Call of Duty. Which, yeah. did you know they're actually doing a Netflix continuation of Chicken Run? They're making a new series for it. They actually made a full series for Chicken Run? I don't know if it's a series or a movie, but they did, like, essentially another Chicken Run on Netflix. I don't know if it's is the it same good? story or a con- I have no idea. I haven't watched it yet. I just saw it on my Twitters. Oh, so it's already out. I think so, yeah. I believe so. We gotta look this up. Gotta look this up. Okay, so it's not yet out yet, but it just says a new Chicken Run movie is in the works by Netflix, and that's all we know. Interesting. Yeah, so it's not out yet, but Twitter didn't lie to me, I think. Maybe. <laughs> but maybe we'll do a podcast episode about that in the future if that ever gets released. But yeah, so Call of Duty Zombies. I played the game a little bit. I've only played, I think, the Black Ops 3 version that was, like, I guess technically by Blizzard Activision, and then the very original Call of Duty Black Ops inside the mansion with the funny-sounding German people, or Nazis. What do you know about uh, Black Ops? Share a little bit of your wisdom of the zombie games. Oh, no, I I literally just shoot them in the face, Daniel. I don't know shit. Oh, okay. (laughs) I I just figured, you know bunkering your a bunker or uh solidifying your bunker to and you know working as a group to hoard off all the the hordes or no i like that premise for uh one shot adventure i think that's a very straightforward one that a lot of people can kind of get attached to but uh, when i'm designing one shot adventures especially if i'm pulling something from a prompt just to help me the Mm -hmm. main idea is to garner new ideas from it that i might be able to implement into the game so like, what are some themes or specific, like, gameplay elements of Call of Duty Zombie that we might be able to, like, throw into this? Oh, the vending machine. The vending machine. Okay. And that one's for, like, the power-ups, right? The, mm-hmm. the like, the Nuka-Cola that drops out that gives yeah. you, like, different power-ups? Mm-hmm. So, like, we can use that to, like, give people buffs or maybe to replenish spell slots. Throw back mm. to the Pokemon. Uh, not the Pokemon. Uh, throw back to last <laughs> week's episode. We could give them Pokemon. That is possible. <laughs> a Black Ops Pokemon zombie game. You can throw out an Eevee and it turns into zombie Eevee, the new ghost type Pokemon. Okay, yo, yo, that's sick, actually. That's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. That would that would be pretty sick. Okay, uh, you're going to, uh, we're going to ask Tara to draw that. And okay, <laughs> cool. All right, Tara, if you're listening, um, we are going to commission you for that for thousands of dollars in our future ideas. Uh, so that's Daniel's thousands of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> 
fair, fair, fair. <laughs> yeah, but like I do like the vending machines because specifically the way they work is you just get one power up, and once you get the power up, you can't use that vending machine again, right? You can't have multiple juggernauts or anything, or double taps. Uh, I think that sounds about right. Um, it's been a minute since I played zombies. Um, I probably should get the new Call of Duty game, but that's just by that's yeah. <laughs> the new Modern Warfare, it does look pretty yeah. sick. Yeah, I haven't I haven't played it yet, mainly because my my primary shooter has been uh, some other games. Uh, like what's Valorant. your primary shooter, Andrew? Valorant. Yes. You're a Valorant boy. I am a Valorant boy. You're a Counter Strike anime version. Hey, I played a lot of CS back in my day. It's just uh, more refined. It's nice the fact that the developers are actually doing something with the game, rather than call, uh, rather than CS. Where yeah. <laughs> and who do you main in Valorant? If you'd be so kind to share. Oh, I play every every agent. Ah. I make it a habit of learning every champion character hero that I can, uh, just because it's easiest to know how to counter each person by doing so. And their limitations, so I do a lot of a lot of testing like that, which is why I never play League of Legends because there's too many fuckers to play with. I'm surprised Valorant hasn't gotten to that point where there's like a bajillion agents. It's early in this life cycle, you know. Like fucking League of Legends has been out for what, like, fifteen decades? I think League has like two hundred characters or some shit like that. And they do have quite a bit, that's for sure. Whereas Valorant, yeah, I think it came out like a, like three years or so, so. Is there any aspect of Valorant that you think might be fun to incorporate into Call of Duty Zombies? I know they do spike planting and it's like a 5v5 kind of thing, but... I guess if you were actually going to go in that direction, what you could do is that in the final parts of the campaign, what you essentially are doing because of the fact that the horde may be just too much is that now you have to activate like a bomb in a way. Ooh, I like that. Or the spike, uh, something that you know you guys plant... And now you guys have to hoard, uh, like stop the, the hordes from getting to like the basement or some shit or wherever the, the location is to and nuke your guys' selves. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, I do remember playing a lot of the Call of Duty zombie maps, and most of them do have like a Easter egg storyline that exists. And it's like, oh, you have to collect all these like puzzle pieces, and then you use them together to like unlock a doorway to get out. Mm hmm. So I feel like maybe that's part of it. Like, you could present the game as, like, a horde mode survival um, if that's what you wanted to run for your players. Because some people do like a very, like, gamey, mechanically heavy D&D game. But on the same end, if you wanted to be like, oh, I have this story progression for people who want to roleplay, it's like, oh, now it's like a puzzle game where you have to find the spike. And then once you find the spike, you have to place it inside a specific location to activate a nuke that blows up all the zombies in the area and saves like the local town or mansion you're on or bunker that you're in. So the question is, how does that work for the players? Do they also die to the spike or the nuke or said bomb? <laughs> well, how does it work in Valorant? Does it kill you when you plant the spike? Uh, so technically, you uh, from the moment that you plant it, you have 45 seconds for it to detonate. And if you're in the blast radius, yes, you do die. So... In lieu of that 45 seconds, every round is like 6 seconds in D&D. So that's what, roughly like 8 rounds? No, that's like 10 rounds? No, closer no, to 8. No, wait, because 8, eight six, rounds. Six, six, I was right the first time. I can I do didn't, math. I didn't doubt I'm you, sir. I'm a 7-year-old. Yes. <laughs> you were right the first time, yeah, yeah. You can math. 
I can math. I can math. All right, we've, math. <laughs> we've learned that the forever DM can math. Okay. Otherwise, I want to make sure that all of those rolls are accurate, sir. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what D and D Beyond's for. <laughs> then I don't have to do it. Um, that's why my math skills are failing. It's all D and D Beyond's fault. They're the reason our children can't do math. All right, I do like the idea that forty-five seconds in, the bomb explodes. That means like I would like to design the final encounter around the idea that you have to survive eight rounds with the spikes planted from a horde of zombies. And then in doing so, that's how you win the one-shot adventure and blow up all the zombies. And you said that there's a chance you could die, but not guaranteed, right? Uh, like I said, if you're within the blast radius, yes, it's an insta-death. Like, cause okay. like, as, as the, as the not shockwave, but it, it emits in a certain radius or and into the shape of a sphere, essentially. Mm, um, okay. So if you're within that blast range... Uh, and you get caught in it, yeah, you die. It does, like, 999 damage. Okay. Here, I'm going to pitch a storyline to you. What if this was, like, a prequel to the Y2K, and before all the magic was wiped from the world by the spike that you plant, what happens is there's, like, an evil lich that's planning to take over the world using zombies, and you're fighting, doing your last stand, and it's your last effort to end the lich's magical reign by EMPing the world of magic. So... It's almost like a prequel to our last one-shot adventure in a way. Oh, okay. So my question is, what stops them from just killing off the lich? Um, it's too hard. <laughs> I think there's like a storyline where they could be fighting the lich, and that could be like the campaign direction you want to take. But my thought is like the lich is too powerful. Maybe he's like your char- your players are all level ten, but the lich is like a level twenty monster, and he's controlling from his great demon domain. And- oh, so you can't get to them. They're just yeah, they're just spawning said and with their reach able to either said dimension or whatnot. Yeah. Okay. I think this would be like a storyline where like the heroes have already lost, but this is their last ditch effort to kind of reset the world in a sense. It's like a great reset if you ever read those like yeah, Isekai yeah, yeah. mangas yeah, where they're nice, like yeah. I can't fight the demon lord, so I'm gonna go back in time and all that bullshit. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, the Isekai. <laughs> yeah, which I, is that even an isekai? I guess that's a time kai uh, well, or something. No, I mean there are there's a lot of different isekais that use that that same plot. You know, like facing off the demon king kind of thing, and then because of that, like they had to get wiped out. When they wake up, they realize they're back in time in their adolescent body. Exactly, and they're like they have yeah. the memories of their exactly. previous battle, except. This isn't exactly the same way, because what happens is you wipe all magic from the world, that way the Lich essentially dies, quote-unquote. Maybe he comes back in your campaign if you want to continue from this one-shot, and then the zombies at least are all gone, and it gives like the mortal human world a chance to flourish once again and rebuild, until maybe the Lich comes back later on in life once he accumulates enough magic or something. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's fun. That's a fun plotline? Okay, cool, cool, cool. So we'll take it from there, and then we'll design this adventure off the idea that the players are looking for the spike. That's one of the encounters. Wait, so how do they know about the spike? Like, how is this being introduced to them? Like, as a player, how the fuck do I know, one, how to use said spike, and two, that I'm supposed to activate and detonate the spike? How about this? You, the players, are four agents, okay, working for the last-ditch effort of humanity, like Earth Defense Force 5 or something. Okay. That's a that's a thing for Daniel. So that's the title of, of this podcast episode, right? Earth Defense Force Five. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, we could do that. We could do Earth Defense Force Five. That'll be the name of your secret agent group that's doing their last mission to stop the world from being destroyed and overrun by zombies from 
what is death and lich itself a death lich lich death a death lich yeah death lich yeah there's a better name here for it i'm sure but um for now we'll call it death lich a uh, dl for acronym sake for you yeah me it's me i'm the villain yes. <laughs> for you yeah you're the death lich yes i am the dm so i am always the death lich and all its zombies and the players are introduced probably from like a last ditch recording from headquarters stating that we've developed this powerful magic canceling device called the spike it's trapped within our last bunker you have to get the spike escape the facility and plan it at a specific location or maybe you're already at the facility okay you're part of this organization or this guild mm -hmm. that's fighting to survive and you know the spike exists because some like researchers and your higher-ups have told you but your facility's getting overrun in the call of duty zombies like aesthetic and now you have to get the spike, plant the spike, and then save the world, quote unquote. Okay, because the bunkers were air, like essentially area zero, or where? Yeah. Okay. In that case, how many hordes of zombies are we working with? Because I I don't really know too much about the horde mechanic in D and D, and I figure with with this being more of like a survival aspect, I feel like adding in the um, exhaustion mechanic might be cool, but. I don't know how we would work in the exhaustion mechanic, but we'll keep that in our back pocket just to see. At the very least, I think, as far as hordes go, it's just how you run enemies. So, like, instead of running, like, 20 different enemies, you just combine them all into one enemy block. Depending on how you roll, they'll guaranteed hit a certain amount of times, mm -hmm. and then that's how many time, how much damage the person takes. So that's okay. how the horde mechanic works, if I remember correctly. For those of you wondering, you can check the Dungeon Master Guide, and they have a more detailed explanation about it. But that's just like a quick tidbit from the recording. I think the main thing here is that the players would probably be... The way you would set up each encounter, which let me know if you think this works, is that there's a puzzle in the in the room that they're in, okay? Similar to how in Call of Duty Zombies, like, you're usually stuck in, like, one room in the beginning. Right. Okay? And then you have to open up more rooms. Yeah. With cash. So how are we doing this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, wait, wait. Yeah, give me one second. I actually need to pee real quick. Okay. While I was peeing, because that's the best time, that's the best place where I think I had got an idea for this uh, for this cash mechanic. <laughs> you know, now I can't cut out the fact that you said you had to go pee, right? Okay. Whatever. No, well, true. But, haha, okay, I have fun editing that. Yep. That'll be fun. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. What, what idea did you have? Okay. <clears throat> So, instead of cash, essentially, since this is going to be essentially zombies or some summoning th shit that this lich uh, performs, uh, we could do it, like, every time you kill, like, either horde or zombies, that that's how the spike is charging up. So, like, that magic that's depleted from them is now entering the spike because it absorbs it. And in order to open or progress, uh, you have to use some of that energy in the spike to open said door. Oh, okay. I do love that. That actually makes a lot of sense. So after you hit a certain kill count, it opens the door. But but it utilizes the energy from it, so you still have to accumulate more and more. So that way, it's not like uh, use it earlier to detonate it. Mm. You essentially make it so that each progression requires them to build up enough to open the next point, and then at the end is when you can fill it up by doing the final encounter. 100%. And I think one of the ways to force them to kind of keep progressing rooms is that you have to hit like a certain switch or a computer to charge it past a certain level. Like almost like it has um, a gear system where it's like, oh, you hit gear one or like level one, 
you exhaust it, allowing it to open up to like charge up to level two. And then that can be done in the second room. And then you open up level two and it opens up to the third room. So you have like three rooms that you can go through Mm -hmm. and it forces you to like open doors to get to different rooms to get more stuff. Yeah. Because you do want them to like explore the whole facility. And I'm imagining this all done on one giant battle map with like three to four different rooms. I think three rooms would probably be reasonable. I think that's fair. Um, with each room having doors and access points where they can like investigate shit or uh, look for I don't know like magic items or actually, do we want to incorporate magic items if the whole point is the fact that there's like less magic? Well, they don't have less magic yet, but my thought is that the oh, spike essentially EMPs everything. Okay. So okay, right okay. now they can probably be wild out with like powerful magic items, which brings me to the other point of Call of Duty Zombies: the stupid random box that gives you crap all the time. Oh, that's true. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah, that damn thing always gives me the. It always like fucking fails on me every time I use it. I hate it so much. But yeah, that magic box thing is a very key path factor of Call of Duty Zombies, and it would be a fun element for characters because it's like on top of the weapons on the walls that exist, you can essentially just like get a randomized super weapon, like a laser gun or something, inside oh. the box. Ah, uh, that's a very good point. So how does that work for us? since all of our guys are more or less prepped with their gear but in call of duty zombies you have to buy more guns constantly to replenish ammo and doing all that stuff for survival or if you want to incorporate that i mean you could do an ammo count for the weapon usage kind of like in breath of the wild though i feel like that'd oh, be like very durability? hard to track no yeah i think your ability would be pretty tough to track no, i don't know about that one that's a as a player i wouldn't want to do that i feel like that's fair. I think you could essentially use maybe consumable items in there. You could have like explosives, uh, throwables, throwables that just happen to be stronger, which kind of creates the idea of another resource management from the box. But the throwables would be very powerful, like like a lightning uh, javelin, but it's like plus two or something ridiculous right off the bat or plus one. No, I want a Molotov fireball. Um, so I'm going to toss that. It's going to create a fireball, anything within. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could have Molotov fireballs. Like, I think there's like an actual item called like a bead of fireballs or something that's very similar. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think you could just toss in very funny magic items in there and just let people randomize and see what they get. Polymorphs. They are... All the polymorphs. Yeah, you have, yeah, you have ass tons of polymorphs in there. I would say like you probably do like 10 random items in there from the DM's guide or wherever you're using. Maybe they're like summon abilities where you can summon like a water elemental or uh, I think there's like a horn of Valhalla or something like that where it summons like a bunch of knights to fight by your side for a little bit. Okay. You know, I think that's cool. If we were to incorporate like rare items, we'd just do like 10 like uh, probably uncommon and then maybe have one legendary item in there that they can find. It's going to be, like, hard to find, but when they do find it, ooh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, and a lot of these items, maybe they're based off of rest, so it's like, oh, it consumes exhaustion like you were thinking about, and the more exhaustion you consume, that's how you use the items. Like, maybe they cost exhaustion, although that's probably pretty difficult because it really limits how much you can get at a time. Or maybe it's based off of your rest meter, but that's also tied to exhaustion. Or you can have vials that restore or like uh those exhaustion points too so like we'll we'll do that to help even out because like i think what doesn't only go up to like five before you die yeah something something quick like that i have to look at it again but the exhaustion limit is pretty fast yeah so we could probably put an ample amount of that especially since it has to be divided by four players 
or however many people you're running, obviously you have to tailor to that, but make it so that now they have to make choices of using said either actions or bonus action to consume that to obviously better odds for your roles because I, I don't remember what the limitations are for, for each of the exhaustion points. Yeah, there's like lower like attack chance, lower advantage on certain things, movement oh, yeah. speed becomes zero, certain stuff like that. So yeah, I think that makes sense. And maybe it could be like purchasable item on the wall. No, I don't want to make it purchasable. I think that makes it a little bit too difficult to manage. Well, that being said, like we, we were talking about the magic thing that's causing these doors to open. So how how are we going to purchase these if we're going to do that? Because we're not incorporating gold with, with the, the magic essence being absorbed by the spike. I think maybe it is still the magic essence. Or do individuals get their own magic essence collections? Oh, maybe that's how it works. Okay, everyone has like these like uh, essentially like little tanks of essence collection, okay, that collects magic. And then they have to inject it into certain areas to essentially power up the spike but you can also use it to inject it into a magic box to get a random magic item so it still ties into it so oh okay maybe you can collect like 10 essences at a time and we'll say like the magic box costs five to open and grab an item out of or maybe two maybe maybe make it cheaper so people feel more enticed to use it so how is that divvied up per party member are we doing are we doing it to the point where it's like exp base where it's actually final kill or um last hit mechanic in like league yeah (laughs) if you the dm want to go that route you can for me just so everyone feels more even and shared and less competitive about like oh i got the last kill i would just say like once you have you not played cod zombies it's all competitive i know i know that's the (laughs) idea but uh and you can make it that like honestly i'm not saying you can't i think you definitely make it so like last kill whoever gets the last hit gets the essence but another route you can do to push for the co-op aspect of it is to say everyone gets a little bit of it each time so like every time you kill someone everyone gets like an even share like everyone gets like you kill one thing you get like one so it's evenly distributed to each party member. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it could mean that the zombies are a lot stronger too, because okay. now it's like divide. It's like each zombie's worth four. Or if you want to make it even more complicated for yourself, which I'm not recommending, I'm just saying it's an option. Is that some of the zombies are individual kills, but then you have like boss zombies that evenly spit between the four. Could be a oh, chop. So like elites from like Left 4 Dead. Exactly. Or I guess I guess I guess you could still do. Uh, zombies you know there's there's the juggernauts and all that exactly so something like that could be an option just suggestions for this particular one shot design if i was going to write it down i would probably put all three suggestions into like a little box in a dm note and be like hey you can try these and see how these run for your campaign as far as the mathematical portion i would say that each one of them because it's shared between all of you you guys have to have a total of we'll say four players 40 essence to open a door and then charge the uh, spike. So that means that they can essentially share essence then. So like, say there's an item on the wall, but it's like, it costs five, but I only have three and you have two. Can we, are we going to? Yeah. I want people to like work together to grab stuff and go. Like, obviously you can make it so it's like individual. So each one of you has like a certain type of essence. So you can only get certain things or things are catered to you. And that could be more easy for, like, designing the encounter. But since it's, like, a horde mechanic, they're probably just going to be fighting, like, tons of big zombies that are constantly appearing, and they have to deal with them. Like, slowly progressing further, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. 
So let's say the first room, it's just like a big square room, simple, and there's like three windows and one door out. And then this room has, I don't think it has the magic box. Because if I remember the original Call of Duty zombie, the magic box is actually in the second room. Uh, has that ever spawned? Yeah, no, I think you're right. So yeah, the next room over. So I mean, first room should be more like elementary. So to kind of introduce them like the door opening mechanic or and all that stuff or like solidifying the base. Are we incorporating that all of these zombies are already inside or are they being spawned outside and now they have to like make their way in, which is why we had to open doors? Yeah, so similar to Call of Duty zombies, they spawn outside of the window. So like maybe the map is a little larger and then they're trying to claw through the windows and get in. Okay, so there's already like some blockades on them and then you can spend a little magic to reinforce the blockades. Maybe it's like a magical grate or something. If you want to incorporate that, like maybe it's like one essence to re re-harness the grate but it costs like an action or a bonus action to do it so are we giving every melee character a bow and arrow i mean they could have one i don't see why not i don't think they need one i'm trying to think of if all the zombies are outside and you're, and you're solidifying your base that only essentially makes it so that ranged users slash magic users have more of a ability to kill said zombies rather than melee users um, I think that's an option is to give them all ranged options like a dwarven thrower or something or maybe they have a limited resource similar to like Call of Duty zombies but my my thought is that like they're not spawning like 30 feet away they're spawning like maybe like 10 feet away from the window and then like you see them spawn and then they start walking up and eventually there'll be too many that spawn too quickly and they'll probably have a lot of health that they can start clawing through the windows and climbing in. Okay. Does that make sense or is that like a little too complicated or do you think that's unfair for the uh melee classes it makes it harder for the me- melee classes in the, in the beginning like i feel like obviously later on it'll be easier since like as they get through the first room then they're just spawning inside kind of thing mm-hmm. but i would definitely think the prep time in the beginning will be harder for them unless you kind of tailor for them to be the ones looking for shit and letting the range ones to if, if people are going to be like strategical of the battle map i mean the other way you could always do it is just like make them have faster movements to get in or you could just let the melee characters go out in the beginning and fight and then they can come back like there's no reason that they have to stay inside the building right they could go out and fight some zombies and run back in true but you're already like hoarding or barricading essentially the area so yeah but it's like magic so maybe there's a mag. we can like let's say we retailer the lore to say that there's a magical barrier around the area that like prevents the zombies coming in and that's like the thing that's quote-unquote acting as the windows so they're having a hard time breaking through and then you being not dead can walk through that barrier and come back in without any problems so that way your barrier isn't busted from like a lore perspective and also to give them a chance to move out and fight since that seems to be like a pretty big concern here okay so i guess the next question with that is how should we go about reinforcing said barrier then if they aren't able to bypass that barrier i think it should cost an action so and that's a pretty big trade-off that that eats up one of your attacks and then it costs like one essence to repair like one portion of the barrier and okay like i said i'm picturing like a square room with one door in the back left that leads to the other room and then three windows and like maybe a big front door so each one of these is a different barrier okay and it costs one essence to replenish them and then if, like, a zombie comes up and attacks it, the barrier breaks, okay? Oh, and then okay, okay, okay. As, like, the difficulty progresses, the zombies become stronger, they break down the barriers in, like, one hit or two hits, or they have multi-attacks or something like that. <laughs> 
Okay, so we're, we're going to make these zombies OP. Well, they should eventually become very OP, okay, is what I'm thinking. Enough. Yeah, I mean, that's how Call of Duty zombies work. Like, at some point, like, bullets just don't hurt them. Yeah, that's fair. But I do, after thinking about it, want to incorporate that juggernaut, because that's going to be a fucking... <laughs> like a like a mid uh like a mid game boss in a way. Oh, I thought you were talking about the feet the 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 potion power up. But okay, that works too. We could do that too. Because <laughs> there's like a lot of ways you can reinforce the players. Like I don't know if you need the potion power ups to be honest, depending on how you scale the enemies. Because we're not exactly breaking down the, how they're working. My thought is like it'd be nice to have them, and I would probably aim to scale the enemies so that like if this is like a level ten party, like. At first, they don't have multi-attack. They just have a single attack. They're very easy to kill. They get through the first room really quickly. Boom, zombies done. Next wave, the next wave of zombies. Now they all have multi-attack, and then they move faster. And then uh. they also have like damage resistance to like spells and stuff like that. And then you're like slowly making these zombies become even more of a threat while adding in special zombies like the Juggernaut or maybe like a Spitter or a Crawler or something like that. All right, so something to potentially restrict other party members' movements so that, well, that kind of, I don't want to say forces, but that essentially makes it so that it makes it harder for one player, but also requires other team members to help you to do that. Yep. I guess there are a lot of spells that still have movement restrictions. Yeah. My thought behind that, like, as from a design standpoint, I think, like, having those team required moments is still important because you want them to help each other get through this because if they don't and they go like gun ho solo which they could but it is a bit more dangerous again you're tweaking the difficulties for your players are they trying to reach the goal or are they just trying to survive a bunch of zombies because at the end of the day it's a one-shot adventure and you have like four to eight hours depending on how long you want to go as a sane human being maybe they just die after four hours because there's a lot of shit and they just get (laughs) overrun i don't know i feel like that kind of sucks as an ending but if they're not doing anything, but it's it's Call of Duty Zombies, Daniel. It's not like we haven't th- seen that <laughs> that screen before. Exactly. So it is a, in the zero session. If you're like, this is Call of Duty Zombies. It's a horde mode survival. You're just gonna survive as long as you can, and then when you die, you die. And if they're okay with that, because that's what they want to play, hey, cool. Nothing wrong with that. But if you're pitching it from an aspect of there is actually a story, and we want you to get through to the, there's like an actual goal that you want to succeed on. Then you want to focus on creating like zombies that are a little bit more fair that oh, allow for, sure. for team play demand dynamics where there's like a ranged enemy, so the ranged caster can deal with it. But there's another enemy that like restricts one of the casters, so it's like oh the melee has to go save them. No, I think that works. Uh, I think the hardest part with that is like you said the time management portion of it, since it's it sounds like a lot of this is going to be heavy into uh, a lot of battle mechanics. Yeah, it's straight up just diving into combat. Yeah. <laughs> there so, is nothing like, else. And the thing is, combat takes fucking forever in D&D. Yeah, for sure. And I agree. It does take a long time. So my thought is that this is more like a puzzle versus like pure combat. Like they have to solve the puzzle of getting the spike to the location and planting it and knowing how it works, which you could add in. Like maybe that's maybe the fighting isn't the key point here, right? Like maybe the point is to ignore the zombies up until the point where you gather enough just to go move into the next room, and then do the next puzzle slash thing. The nice part is, like, to be fair, there isn't going to be any role-playing. Like, or, I mean, the most role-playing you'll get is maybe, like, there's an Overwatch that tells you what you need to do and how to move throughout the world and gives you tips. But this is a very heavy combat-based adventure. And honestly, I'm down for that because I fucking love combat. Despite what I said earlier, I still fucking love combat. (laughs) Okay. 
Yeah, man. That's dope. Um, as a DM, this is very stressful for me because there's a lot of things to keep in mind. Yeah, this sounds very difficult on your guys' end, especially with the fact that a lot of it's going to be all like, okay, what round is this? Okay, well, now these zombies need to or just enter the fray or, or whatnot. The way I would make it easier for the DM here, specifically, is that you have certain spots of, like, certain clusters of zombies or super zombies that always move after one of the player's turns. That way it's like, because they're hordes of zombies, so, and you don't want them to all move on one turn, attack one person, they all instantly die. That kind of sucks. This way, you know, like, every, like, from a strategic point, because it's turn-based, you know that as a player, after you, a zombie's gonna go. And then after them, your player's gonna go. Then another zombie. Then a player. Then another zombie. So you're like, okay, so that's how it works. Another aspect I think that would make it easier is that each time they open a door, because there's a larger magical charge, every zombie just gets a power buff. So it's like every oh, door okay, makes it okay. more difficult. Ah, so it's trade-off. Yeah. But every door you have to open as well. Otherwise, you don't get the power-ups, you don't get the items, and you don't get to reach the ending either. But the player should understand, like, oh, this is what I'm getting myself into. No, I think that works. I think the hardest, I mean, what you have to do, especially if you are going to mediate some sort of uh, <clears throat> watchtower uh, aspect of it, is to you're going to need to use that to entice the players to actually get through by like informing them of maybe additional ammo or supplies further in in the building that that they can get access to but they need to first open said door and yeah, i feel like it, magic items very convincing for for players to want you know they want they want to look for that shit too yeah and in, in the third room if like the magic item in the second room isn't enough the third room could have the power up box the punchomatic or whatever and oh. it could just upgrade your weapon to plus one plus two plus three and it plus three is the max are we going to increase their armor to be like plus one, plus two AC to do that too? Or to help prevent them getting, taking more damage? I don't know. Because adding AC is like fine, but I feel like in the lieu of Call of Duty Zombies, I would like it to keep it just the weapons. Okay. Just because I think hitting harder is more interesting than just not getting hit. And you can always supply the area with like first aid kits, feats. Like through okay, the uh, okay. power up machines, like tough. You could just have feats inside the power up machines that people can drink and get power, like tough or like multi attack or alert, okay, et cetera, okay. et cetera. Wait, wait, wait. So, does uh, I forget the horde mechanics do they, they just auto hit, don't they? Do you do you still roll for hit? Uh, no, I think it depends on how large the horde is. Oh man, I'd have to look at it again. Hold on, let me look it up. The lazy way to run lots of D&D monsters. <laughs> That's the first thing I t that comes up when you type in. Yeah, there's a lot of people with like guides on that. Okay, so handling mobs, essentially the way it works, um, we just looked this up in the DM's guide. It's uh, on page 250. Uh, they're called mob attacks. What it says here is that what you're ideally doing is based off of your monster's attack bonus, if it's like plus 5, for example, and the enemy player that you're attacking with an AC of 19, you subtract the bonus from the AC, so... The zombies in this case would need a 14 to hit a fighter with an AC of 19. And then based off the mob attack diagram here, they would need to hit, you would need at least three orcs attacking the fighter for one of them to hit if the total roll needed was a 14. So if there's like a mob of six, that means two of the orcs would hit for sure. Okay, I see that. And then you can roll damage that way. 
definitely check out the DM's guide on page 250 for a more detailed reading on how it's run. But that's an example. So it's not that it's a guaranteed hit. It's that a cluster of monsters large enough to hit an enemy will go like will hit. And this is probably also a reason why I would be hesitant on giving more AC because that yeah, would no, essentially change the math for the DM while that's you're at it. It's going to be a lot harder. No, fuck that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> if, I, if I ran this as a, as a DM, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm going to make this easy for myself. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely do it. Honestly, it can be done on an Excel sheet so the calculations are all there for you ahead of time. But we're lazy, Daniel. Yeah, as a lazy DM <laughs> and a person who like runs stuff at home mostly in his head really quickly... I would keep everyone's AC like consistently the same, so I know like okay, this person, this mob had needs this many hitters to hit that one, and then you're like okay, so this mob has this many, and then you're like the math is already preset and it doesn't change too much. It's just the amount of hits that they do each time go up. So it's like oh, three zombies attacking your fighter with 19 AC and they have a plus five to hit. Okay, you would need three zombies to hit that fighter. Okay, that three zombies hits you once. All right, but maybe there's only two zombies they don't hit whatever. But now, like, oh, here's more attacks. Now they hit twice. And then that way, it's like, it adds the threat without adding too much extra math. Yeah, less math, the better. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That whole section just now was very, like, mechanics-heavy. Again, you don't even have to use that either. You could just make a mob, roll a d20, and say, this mob hits or doesn't hit, and they have more attack because of X, Y, Z reason. And that could be a way you do it, too. Honestly, not the laziest thing people have ever done. I've done that myself, so, you know. Whatever works best in the moment. Oh, I know you have, Daniel. I yeah. know. I've died. Okay, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, it just saves time, honestly. And when you're in the heat of the moment, you might not know the mob attack rolling by heart because neither of us did right off the bat. So we had to look it up, too. I, I think I've only faced like one horde in like all the games I've played. <laughs> yeah, it changes the dynamic of how the game is played. And you also have to re explain how the ruling works to your players. And. Sometime during a one-shot adventure, I'm lazy and I want to go faster and I don't want to just explain how math works in this quick scenario. Yeah, all you, all you just say is, uh, what's your AC? Perfect. Okay, well, it hits. Okay, okay. Yeah. Players will just take that. <laughs> exactly. Like, you might not even have to explain it. You're just like, oh yeah, what's your AC? You roll behind the table and you're like, oh yeah, three of them are there, they hit you. Like, you don't have to explain it. But it's nice if you want to. Or you just do it in the zero session too and just let them know ahead of time if you're using this ruling. That way they're like, what's happening? Why am I just getting hit? My AC is blah, blah, blah. And you're like, yeah. Well, I mean, you can explain it then. But I mean, people are in the moment unless they're going to be very uh, anal about it. Yeah. You can say anal, right? Yeah. Yeah, I can yeah. say anal. Yeah, you can say anal. <laughs> you can say penis. You can say other words <laughs> that are on the body part. It's nothing wrong with saying just human anatomy. I can say lungs. <laughs> you know, gonads. Those are words. God. Anyways, um, back to the adventure design. Pink taco. Ooh, taco. Yums. I could go for a taco. Uh, yeah. You know, not you that know, kind you, of taco. You know what I said, right? <laughs> no, I did not hear what you said. That's okay. It's okay. Back when you when you edit this, this that yeah, you'll understand. Okay. Cool. 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 <laughs> I'm sure Richard will point it out to me, letting me know how I missed something stupid. Back to the adventure design. Okay. We have a good story outline. We have a good plot for the characters to go through. And we have a basic mechanical aspect of how everything is running. The only thing I want to touch on a bit more is like, what power-ups would you like sprinkled throughout the room? Okay. I think we could probably do like five power-up machines that exist. They probably cost like, because they're power-ups, and essentially I think we're, depending on what we use, they should cost somewhere between three to five soul essence to get one. And they can only have three at a time, similar to Call of Duty Zombies. 
Okay. I think that works. Um, and they can't duplicate. Yeah, that's true. I would say giving the people like legendary items would be cool. Because um, this is a fun mechanic to work with. Okay. So, I mean, those are options. Um, the other things are, obviously, we could definitely have more sprinkled out. Or things that may cost less essence would be, like, health potions and stuff. Uh, just to help uh, refuel or to kind of bring up uh, either spell slots or people that took too much damage earlier on in the game. And are you saying these are in the power-up machines? Either that or they're just sprinkled around the room. So, I don't know. I don't know how you want it. Do you want to have all of these items centralized? Or do you want them all... Sprinkle, sprinkle. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I would definitely sprinkle it throughout the whole battle map and be like, oh yeah, here's a power machine, here's the random box that moves every time you fail. Or do you have the power-up machine uh, have the legendary item because you don't want any zombies to potentially find it? Hmm. And then they don't have access to it because it's like a paywall. There's a paywall for the legendary <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they have to pay their own essence to activate it. Um, could be. That's a good question. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. So are you saying there would be... I just want to clarify. Are you saying that there are legendary items within the random gotcha machine or just in the power-up machines? Ooh. I would say the regular power-up machines because then, like, you know what item's there. You may not know what it does until you get it, but you know that legendary item's there. Because mm. if it's randomized, it, I mean, you could have fun with that, but at the same time, like, if I'm paying x amount of essence already for it then it's like a okay do i have enough to move on to the next room if i don't if i buy this now yeah but there's also three other people with you so don't forget there's three people helping you too but if we're going to do that though we have four legendary items stocked away that kind of fit like the players you know depending on what classes or where they're running yeah i like the third room containing four legendary items and they should be probably relatively expensive, like seven essence to grab a yeah. legendary item or something. That way, like, they can't just break into the last room really quickly, gather as much, and then upgrade and get the spike running. But no, you could technically do that. But because they have the legendary items, it makes it easier to, especially if we're making each horde harder. So as soon as they get to the last room, it, it will make things easier to to recollect all the essence that they lost with the opening the door, opening the door and getting the items. Mm-hmm. whereas if they just open the door without getting the items thinking that they can hold off whatever hordes coming at the next but without the legendary items it makes the that portion a lot harder but they don't necessarily need to collect as much because they didn't get the items yeah i, I like that so we'll say there's like four catered legendary items for your players so this is a little bit more zero session work for the dm where you have to figure out like what would be a good legendary item for each of the players and they could be just chilling in the last room like on the walls where it's like sealed behind a magical glass case that says give essence to break or something and maybe the overwatch or handler tells you about them they're like these are powerful items that will help you gather essence but they cost a lot of essence to to power up to use or maybe that's how it works you have to power up the weapons to use them there's your lore i get it okay i think on top of that sprinkled throughout all of the other rooms like maybe throughout like the first second and third room I would even want to add, like, the soda pop power-up machine on top of that, where it's just like, oh, you get, like, specific feats, like, tough, so you get extra health, you get, like, a quicker movement ability, maybe you get, probably not luck, luck seems really complicated and annoying, maybe luck if you want to add it, but you could have, like, machines in other rooms that cost feats, that gives you feats, and you can get three feats in addition to whatever you have to power yourself up, but they also cost, like, probably the same as the random gotcha machine. No, I, I I like that. 
I definitely would still want luck or lucky because uh, ha- having the opportunity to reroll, <laughs> yeah, especially true. especially then would be pretty nice. Um, especially if if you had to roll to like either activate that spike because I don't know if we're just making it so that you put it there it works or we're just like well now I gotta roll to see if. <laughs> okay, so mechanically for the spike, the way I'm thinking it works is that you put it there, you charge it up. And then you have to defend it for eight rounds. Like, once it's fully charged, then you defend it for eight rounds. And then that's where, like, more zombies, more powered-up zombies, and maybe, like, a, a boss zombie appears to try to destroy it. And you're like, you gotta hold off the big bad until the thing charges for eight rounds and destroys it. Which is more incentive to get the legendary items. Because now, exactly. instead of a final destination area that you need to get to, it's a, it's a survival aspect of survive eight rounds before moving on. Exactly, exactly. Okay, no, I like that. Yeah, so a recap of the ideas we have here so far, just really quickly. We've designed a Call of Duty zombie survival game that kind of serves as a prequel to our Y2K storyline. The players are working for Earth Defense Force 5, the last Defense Force guild that survived into this zombie apocalypse world, and they're being assaulted by a horde of powerful magical zombies that a lich has created and has already conquered most of the world with. This bunker has created a spike bomb that is going to be used to EMP magic from the world, killing the lich and the zombies, supposedly. And you have to make it to the spike by gathering enough essence and powering it up and then defend the spike. Mechanical aspects we've included from Call of Duty Zombies include the gacha box with weapons that contain consumables and maybe one really powerful legendary item in it, uh, we have feats sprinkled out the room like Tough, uh, Sentinel, and Lucky that exist, and you have to pay essence to use those. The amount I'm thinking is like maybe like five essence to get a feat, three essences to use the gacha boxes, and then there's weapons and consumable weapons on the walls like arrows and hand axes, etc. And then each player is given like a spectral essence container that they can use to open doors, essentially powering up the spike. And then once they get to the last door, there's four legendary items in there that requires Essence to activate, but gives them a stronger chance to survive the final round when they activate the spike for the eight-round defense where they have to fight like a Juggernaut boss or some other super zombie boss. I would definitely play that. I would not huh? run it, so I'm expecting <laughs> yeah. you to run it, but yeah. I would definitely play that. <laughs> yeah, there's good reason why you say that, because running this is just like nightmare fuel for most people, because <laughs> it is literally all combat and tons of monsters and horde mechanics we've given some tips on how to like lessen that for most people through uh the mob attack options uh you can also how you could set up the turn orders so that it's guaranteed to move in a certain way and then essentially once they kick off initiative nothing's going to change everything stays the exact same new zombies replenish and take over certain portions etc etc yes so you let me know when you set that up and and then we'll play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll let you know. Um, if you're really down to it, I don't know. Like, do you think Grace would be interested in that? Good question. I'll, I'll ask her. <laughs> yeah, because from an aspect of Dungeons and Dragons, this is purely for the more wargaming style, right? It's for sure really fun for people who want to just play like a battle brawl, who really like Gloomhaven. It's great. I personally love aspects like this when I can play it in a video game aspect. It just gets really complicated at the table when I have to run it because I have to keep track of a lot of stuff. Yeah, if I do run it, I'll probably make a post in detailing some tips that I have for running it or how to fix it. The essence calculation is a big thing too. Not sure exactly how that'll work, but my guess is that each door requires 40 essence and then 
The last one takes 40 essence to activate the powered up spike, and then defending it for eight rounds is going to be tough because you'll just have monsters that can do triple attack or something weird like that. You know, I just thought of. Have you ever played Zombicide? Zombicide sounds familiar. What is that? I think it's literally what we just <laughs> made. Oh, is that it? Okay, cool. <laughs> I think that board game is like. <laughs> Did we just steal someone else's board game? So clearly, we came up with an awesome idea because someone has already published this. Boom. I was like, wait a minute. This, that entire thing sounds exactly like Zombicide, essentially. Shit. Okay, cool. We are <laughs> board game designers, guys. Good job. So if you want to play that, too, we could do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, if you have it, I'm down. Well, actually, I don't know if I have that one. but Well, uh, if we go to Snakes and Lattes, they have it, so they'll probably play there. That's true. That's true. But yeah, uh, you should look up that, too, because that actually sounds pretty fun as well. And you don't have to DM it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have to DM it, but someone probably has to know the rules and run it, so there's always a DM in every board game. Yeah, but there's a difference because you still act as a player. That's true, that's true. Yeah, I, I'm just, like, thinking about it to see, like, what other things I could, like, recommend to make things easier for people because you also have to keep track of, like, windows. I would definitely do this on a board with a big battle map. That's 100% certain because that'll, like, theater of mind this sounds ridiculous unless you're not actually planning on doing the main combat portion and it's more of like a storytelling where it's like oh they're moving through each door and they get here i would love to include more puzzles too like maybe the second room to unlock the door they have to find like certain amount of gems on the wall or codes written in like black and white and they have to use a action to turn on the lights to search for hidden cryptography or something there's so much more you can add to this or there's a rug on the floor and you guys gotta be smart enough to take it off and there's like a hidden door underneath that has a stash of shit yeah for sure that'd be very cool too so maybe like you could design the battle map with like certain color codes and it's like okay anything in red can be interacted with or something like that i don't know just ideas this this is a very fun game design in my opinion i don't know about like story for the players like it is a very tense storyline right it's like survival you are the last ditch effort of humanity stop the lich but also kill everyone kind of or remove magic from everyone and that's when it falls into fallout yeah then it becomes fallout yeah that's maybe what happens is once if the spike hits all the zombies become human again or they they become alive again and then now they're living in a fallout world with no magic oh okay and then the radiation turns the people that were that got back from becoming zombies now into like mutated beings (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, okay. I don't know, just more ideas, more lore ideas, because I really like the storytelling aspect of D&D, so just things to think about. But, hey, let us know if you run this one-shot adventure. I think we might actually do a write-up of this, because this one sounds pretty fun, and I, like, mechanically, we've kind of flushed it out. It's just mainly balancing the combat encounters, which will be pretty tough, but I might just put in a cheap asterisk and just say, good luck. (laughs) Figure it out. <laughs> Figure it out, guys. But yeah, that's One Shot at a Time, a D&D podcast. We tackled the prompt Call of Duty Zombies. I'm your forever DM, Daniel Locke. And I'm Andrew. We want to thank you all again for listening uh, and hope you guys have a great chance in the new year. This episode will probably come out during the new year. Probably a couple weeks in, so eh, timing's pretty bad. But anyways, hope you guys had a great New Year's. Hope you guys made some good resolutions. And... We want to thank you all again for following us for this whole year. Please continue with us next year as we 
hopefully continue doing this podcast. Either way, please leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. Uh, leaving us a five-star really helps us out with the algorithm, and we really appreciate it. As always, if you could spread the word of our podcast to your friends that like D&D or any prospective DMs or players, word of mouth really helps us out a lot. It's probably the best way to actually help our podcast because we don't pay to advertise in any way. And lastly, if you want to reach out to us, you can tweet us at one shot at a time at Twitter, or you can email us at one shot at a time cast at gmail.com. We will be at TioCon on the 8th uh, at 12 p.m. in Palo Verde 3 in Arizona. So if you want to learn about one shot designs, you can see me there doing a panel about that. I actually don't know if this episode will come out before or after that. So if not, well, it may have already happened. So whatever. Uh, anything I'm missing, Andrew? No, I think you got it, more or less. Uh, but yeah, we should play Zombicide, too. Though. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely play Zombicide. We'll, we'll make a plan to go to Snakes and Lattes, gather the peeps. We'll gather the peeps. Yep, uh, we'll be back next Tuesday, 6 a.m. Eastern Time, or Tuesday sometime. Honestly, I've been a little bit late on the post, so I do apologize for that. But we will be back next Tuesday. Thank you very much. Have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye now.